So, um, and then I just want to say thank, I thank God for this church. Uh, you know, we've been here about three years, and uh, just really feel very welcome, very much at home. Uh, thank you for the way you greeted my family. It's kind of cool because I've been a pastor for 40 years, and our daughters were always known as the pastor's kids. And I came here, and they say, oh, you're Rachel and Sarah's dad, you know? So it's kind of cool. And I uh, love this church, and I just thank God for it. I thank God for Pastor John. And, uh, you know, in the Bible, Peter and John work together a lot, you know? So in the book of Acts, you see that. So, you know, Peter and John, here we are again. And uh, so I just thank God. And... Uh, I give you greetings from Pillar College. Uh, Pillar College is New Jersey's only fully accredited, uh, Bible-believing, Christ-centered college. And so we need your prayers uh, for that in New Jersey and our presence here. And uh, as, as he mentioned, as Isaac mentioned, I'm uh, department chair and professor of biblical studies there. And uh, so I just uh, wanna say, you know, I, I thank God for being a father uh, for 42 years ago. Uh, on, September, or excuse me, November 15th, 1981. Uh, I better get the right date right. The other daughter is September. But uh, I was dad for the first time. I'll never forget that. It was just a great moment. Rachel was born. I just realized, Rachel, I just gave away your age. Uh, all right, well. <laughs> but she's all right. She still, still looks great, you know. And uh, then three years later, I uh, was just grateful for... Uh, uh, for Sarah and uh, for her participation in, uh, here as well. Um, but uh, when Rachel was born, she was born at about you know, 5 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Imagine that, a pastor's daughter born on Sunday morning. So I had to pass off the, the, the sermon that day to my elder, uh, to a guy named Al. And I know how he felt, that's how I feel today. Uh, five o'clock last night, I was at Lizzie Rubright's graduation. Congratulations, Lizzie, uh, her celebration. And Renee looked at me with this worried look, like, John, he's, he's, he's down for the count, so we gotta pray for him. Uh, Can you preach tomorrow? He's like, sure. Uh, a friend of mine said it this way. He said, uh, a pastor must be always ready to preach, pray, lead, or die at any given moment. And we do. We need to be ready, all of us as Christians. We need to be ready to do that. So here we are. Um, so, you know, let's pray for Pastor John. And he'd be well by next week. Next week is a big Sunday. And again, I would urge you, if you haven't been baptized, you want to make that public profession, uh, please sign up. Uh, please do that after the service. Um, but as I said, it was a joy being a father. And uh, on Father's Day, I, I want to pray for the dads. So dads, all of you dads who are here, would you kindly stand where you are? Please stand there uh, in, near your seat. Dads, all right, let's hear it for dads. And those, thank you. Those who are around them, if you'd remain standing, I'm going to pray for dads. Because uh, I, think, I think dads, we need prayer. We really need prayer. Uh, Lord, I want to thank you that when you wanted to tell us what your heart was like, you used the words, our Father. And uh, I just thank you that you are a Father to us and that you have been uh, the example, you have been the loving Father, the first Father uh, for us. And I thank you for these, uh, these men. And I just pray in this, this age that uh, really that role has been devalued, Lord, I pray that you would raise up today our understanding of who these men are and how they are key leaders in our families and uh, in our culture. And I just pray a blessing on them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, dads. You may be seated. 
So um, if you turn in a Bible, if you have a Bible, I know I saw some of you carry one. We'll be looking at, uh, it's Matthew 6. Uh, uh, Pastor John had preached this series, What If Jesus Was Serious uh, About? And it was related to uh, the Sermon on the Mount, which is an unusual sermon. As you read it and get to know it, uh, the Sermon on the Mount has a lot of unusual twists and turns, and, uh, and yet they are really the heart of God. It is one of the great teachings of Jesus. And the prayer that he included in that uh, Sermon on the Mount was the Lord's Prayer. And uh, we're familiar with it. And uh, so we all know the Our Father. Uh, maybe you've prayed it hundreds, dozens, uh, I don't know how many times. Many times uh, you prayed uh, Our Father who art in heaven. And that's our theme uh, for today, for, for Father's Day. Uh, and so it's, it's a difficult time for men, uh, really. Uh, I think, you know, men have been devalued at the leadership of men. Uh, it's been devalued in the cities where, where I work, especially Pillar College is headquartered uh, in Newark. Uh, we have uh, also, um, we have campuses in Patterson and Jersey City, as well as Plainfield and Basking Ridge. Uh, but in the cities, uh, nearly 80% of our students are women. And so I say to the women in my class, you know, where are the men? Where are the men in college? Where are the men in your churches? Um, where are the men in your homes? Um, you know, men just haven't stepped up. And so we need to pray for, our, for men. Um, and the women are praying for the men. And we need to pray. Uh, many, uh, I work uh, also at Market Street Mission. I, I teach there as well and uh, lead a, pr a couple of programs there. But every class I get, I usually ask and I start talking about um, their relationship with their fathers. And I say, how many of you had a good relationship with your dad? Raise your hand and out of maybe 20 in the class, maybe two will raise their hand. And I'll say, well, how many of you are dads? And uh, maybe 80% will raise their hand. I say, okay, what can you do in your generation to improve in that relationship now in your generation? But uh, many of them did not have uh, a good role model uh, for a father. I had uh, two role models in my life who were uh, good role models. Uh, my dad, now, now growing up, I have to admit, I, I did not have a good relationship with my dad. I had a rebellious spirit, <laughs> you know, I thank God for, for Jesus. He just changed me, saved me from all that. But uh, dad was a successful businessman. Now, if you know anything about that generation, the great generation in the, uh, they grew up in the 1930s in the uh, Depression <clears throat> and then World War II. And so for them, providing for their family financially, was a way of being a good dad. And uh, my dad was very successful as a businessman. He, was, uh, he worked his way up from a salesman to president of college division of Prentice Hall Publishing. And so very successful, but he was very distant from us. But we had a better relationship. Now, when I got converted, I have to admit, my dad's first reaction was, well, you were messed up on you know, drugs, alcohol, and partying, and now you're messed up on Jesus. And uh, it took years to win that relationship. But I have to say uh, that uh, Dad and I had the most beautiful, wonderful, loving relationship. Dad lived with us now for the last 11 years, just passed away almost exactly a year ago. And so I'm grateful for that relationship and that it was restored. Uh, but I also had uh, my, my grandpa, who was, uh, he was a Lutheran pastor, 
And uh, I just call him liquid love. You know, there are people like that, that you're just in their presence and you bathe in that love. And you just felt it. He died over 50 years ago, but I still remember to this day how I felt when I was with him. And uh, I have sought to just exude and understand what that was. And it was Jesus in him. But I only saw him maybe two or three times a year, so I really didn't get too much time to get to know him. So when I think about my role model, my ultimate role model was our Heavenly Father. That when God saved me years ago, almost over 50 years ago, uh, that I looked to him to do this good work in me. And so this topic of God, my Heavenly Father, is, is beautiful for me. And it's a wonderful day when we look to him. And so my purpose in this message and in my life is that you get to know this heavenly father and what he's like and what his heart is like. Now, you remember when our Lord Jesus was teaching um, the disciples, he taught them many things. He taught them how to, how to heal and preach and all that. But you know, the disciples, the first thing they asked of Jesus was not teach us to heal or teach us to preach or teach us to do miracles. The first thing they asked him to teach them was, Lord, teach us to pray. Now, we assume they knew how to pray. Certainly, they all did learn many prayers growing up, but they saw something different in Jesus when he prayed. And so Jesus gave this model prayer. And notice the Lord's prayer. He didn't just say pray this prayer as if we were to pray it as sort of a rote performance week after week, which, which is good to do. But he said pray this way. So the Lord's prayer is, is a model prayer. It, it's, a, it's a model for all our prayer. And it's, it's teaching us the important elements of a, a, a prayer life that is alive and vibrant and from the heart. And so this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, shows the heart of the Lord and his hopes and his aspirations for us as we pray. And so we pray that Jesus would teach us to pray this way. And so when he began that prayer, Notice how he began it. The simple words, our Father who art in heaven. In the model prayer that Jesus gave, the beginning of prayer is to have a right attitude and a right posture and a right relationship with the living God. So it's, it's so critical for us that we understand God's heart toward us and then have a heart towards him as we pray. It, this is the way in the Lord's Prayer that real prayer is, is possible. It's possible to think of God in a way that makes real prayer impossible or difficult at the very least. For instance, if you think of God as an angry judge, um, I'm going to pray to him in a certain way. I'm going to pray out of fear, maybe, or apprehension. And so uh, I think that he needs to be appeased before he's even going to listen to me. 
And so I, I'm not going to tell him what I really feel. Why? For fear of reprisal, you know? What is he going to do to me? Or, so I'm going to grow more and more distant in that relationship and, and maybe fear to come to God in prayer or even maybe just stop and praying altogether because I just don't want to approach him. He's unapproachable. Or if, if I think of God as being this distant being, you know, we have this theology in our culture, the force be with you, you know, God out there somewhere, this force and you can control it or, or he's an ultimate something, you know, God is the ultimate something. That's uh, a philosophy in, in the world that's very popular today because you can make God uh, to be any way you want him to be, but it's called deism and God is removed. And so if I think of God that way, he's not really in a relationship with me. It's just sort of a principle out there, an ultimate something or a beginner of all things. Um, how it's going to change my prayer life? Well, I'm going to pray to myself, <laughs> you know, because prayer doesn't change things or circumstances or people. It just changes me. And so I'm going to lose interest in prayer. Why? Because I don't really see God as in that close personal relationship. I don't have this connection with God. A living God. See? So Jesus, when he instructed us on prayer, when he was exuding this power in prayer, taught us that the deepest heart of God is expressed in this relationship with these words, Matthew 6, 9, our Father who art in heaven. Just listen to those words. Just, just let them impact you. This is God's heart toward us and our heart toward him. That we say, our father. He's a father who loves his children. I like what Isaac was saying. Is he has two, two children, you know, and he thinks about his, his posture to them. I remember years ago. As I was just enjoying Rachel and Sarah, I was just enjoying time with them. And I was just praying to God. And I said, you know, God, is that how you feel about me? And I just remember there are only a few times in my life where the word, you know, spoke to my heart. And it was almost audible. I could almost hear it with physical ears. And his response was, that and more. And I just, I said, I just was in tears. I just said, really? That's how you feel toward me. Thank you for that. He's a father who loves his children. That's a, just, just a beautiful thought. Jesus was always addressing God as, as his father. What, what does he say? John 5, 20. For the father loves the son. Or at the resurrection of Lazarus. How did Jesus pray? Father, I thank you that you have heard me. He already had prayed about this situation. So he thanked God, but it's Father. We're in Mark 14, 36 in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was pouring out his heart to God, what did he say? Abba, which literally means daddy in Aramaic. It's Father. All things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, but not as I will, but as you will. When Jesus was nailed to the cross... What was the first words out of his mouth from the cross when he had to pull himself in tremendous pain? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. The last words from the cross, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. 
You know, there's only one time in his life when Jesus did not address God as his father. And that was at that dark moment on the cross when he became sin for us and the father had to turn away. And what did Jesus say in prayer? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But then he ended that experience, Father, I commit my spirit into your hands. And so it's an amazing revelation that God, the God of heaven and earth, he wants you to address him in prayer, not just as God or as Lord or Master, but as our Father in heaven. So what does that mean to you and me? Well, at least three things right? I'm a pastor. What do we do? Always say three things. All right. Got to remember these. All right. Number one, where God is, life is. There is life. That's new life. Why is it true that we are given this privilege of calling God father? It's not just by being born. See, it's because of the shed blood of Jesus, which paid the penalty for my sin so that I might be reborn into God's kingdom. As it says in Romans 8, 14 to 16, because those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit, uh, a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. You received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. So that means we're not to pray out of fear, not to pray out of a sense of duty, but a relationship. This God, this almighty, all-powerful God wants a relationship with you. We are children of God. We, like Jesus, can call God Abba, Daddy, Father. That's a beautiful thing. So Jesus was saying, you take fatherhood at its best, and you lift it to the realm of the infinite, and you have a right conception of God. See, Matthew 7, 11, if you, and I love the how much more is when Jesus says that, if you being earthly fathers, you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give what is good to those who ask him? See, so that means I can approach God with confidence. <clears throat> Why? Because of this relationship that I have with him. Hebrews 4, 16. Let us then <clears throat> approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So if I am to draw near to God with confidence in prayer, I can do so only on the basis of my relationship with him. See, for instance, supposing I were to go to Buckingham Palace and, and I were to talk, and I would go in the throne room and talk to the King of England, and I were to say, you know, I have this genuine need and, and I think you can help me. Can you help me? Now, my need may be genuine, but I can't draw near with confidence. Why? I'm, I'm not his son. I don't have any relationship with him, right? But if I'm the Prince of Wales, Right? I, can, I can go to him and I can ask him and he can, you know, I can take my request because I have this relationship with the king. So the king of heaven and earth has a relationship with you because of Jesus Christ. And if I know that relationship, 
then I have confidence in my prayer. If I know that I'm a son, that I can draw near to him this sense of expectancy in prayer. I know he's going to hear me. I know he's going to answer me. I know he's going to meet my need. You may recall when Jesus was healing the leper in Matthew 8, uh, 1 to 4, healing this man with leprosy, and he drew near to Jesus, but he, he had fear and apprehension. And so remember what he said? He said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. In other words, he was saying, Lord, I believe you have the power, but I'm not convinced that you care. So, so how did Jesus respond to him? Well, these beautiful words, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man, touched the leper, and said, I'm willing. In other words, I do care. I do care. Be clean. See? Do you ever feel like that in prayer? You may be just saying like this leper, you know, I, I, I know you have the power, but I'm not sure you care. And so we hesitate. We get maybe to the point we even shy away in prayer. And his response to you is, I do care. I do hear. I will answer your request. Even when you fall short, even, even when you sin, and it's blatant and it's open, you can return to God on the basis of a relationship. Right? Remember the most beloved and well-known parable, the parable of the prodigal son. Right? Here he is. He seeks to do things his own way. He wants to get out from under the control of the father. He wants the resources for himself. He squandered it away and finally finds himself in a pigsty, longing for pig food. He said, I will go. But he didn't say, out of the pigsty. He didn't even say, home. He said, I will go to my father. He would return to a relationship because he knew his heart. And, of course, the response of the Father, Jesus was telling us, is the response of our Father. Even when we're in our own sin and we feel like we're eating pig food, he says, hey, you can come back because I'm going to run to meet you with this flood of love and forgiveness. And so my question to you today as you think about prayer is, are you confident of your relationship with the living God? Do you, do you know, you, you know, we're not automatically children of God on the basis of physical birth. Remember what Jesus said, John 8, 42 to 44? He said, if God were your father, you would love me, but you are of your father, the devil. If we've been physically born, we're under the leadership of, of another father, the devil. We don't think so, but we are because we're selfish by nature. We are sinful by nature. And so we're not children of God on the basis of being born once. Physical birth. It's not enough. You have to be born again. The Bible says born from above. We've got to receive a spiritual birth that occurs when we trust the Lord Jesus by faith and we receive him into our hearts and our lives. And so it says in John 1, 12, as many as received him, what? To them he gave the power to become the children of God. Are you a child of God today? Can you call him father? 
Have you received that gift of salvation that he offers to all who believe? Have you received him and his son that he sent to die for your sins? If not, do not leave this place without settling your relationship. We could talk about that after the service if you want. You could talk with any of the elders. We could talk to you. If you have not been baptized, next week is your chance to make that affirmation, to be certain of that relationship. I, I remember vividly my baptism over 50 years ago, and it was a public affirmation when I was proud to say, okay, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. And I own this as my own faith. It's not on the basis of my parents, my grandfather, anyone else. It's mine. And I'm declaring that by faith. Amen. Thank you. I like that. I'm used to that. Where I teach, boy, I get a lot of amen chorus, you know. I like that. So please settle that relationship. Uh, don't leave this place without settling that. Second thing, where God is, there's true love and unity. And so notice what Jesus said, again, in this prayer that we are to pray. He said, you pray in groups, our Father, right? So that means if we're praying to God as our Father, then we're praying as brothers and sisters in the same family, blood brothers, blood sisters, bought and brought into one family on the basis of Jesus Christ and his shed blood on the cross. But whereas it may be easy for us to confess the fatherhood of God in prayer, it may not be easy to confess the brotherhood of man in prayer. See, remember what we're told in 1 John 4, 7, and then 19 and 20. He says, dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. And we love because he first loved us. And so if anyone says, I love God, and yet hates his brother, he's a liar. And anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So there's no question about it. When Jesus taught us, he came to live among us. That means heaven is not this distant place. It's not off somewhere. It's right here. It's, it's in me. It's in you where Christ lives. And heaven does not begin sometime, especially sometime after we die, but heaven is right now. If Jesus lives in you and me, heaven begins now. Jesus in you, God incarnate, living in you. See, Jesus said in John 17, 3, what? Now this is eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. So Jesus, where he is, heaven is. Even when he was on the cross, remember the thief who called out to him in faith? Remember that thief? You know? And he, he, what did he say? Jesus, remember me. Watch this. When you come in your kingdom. Not if you come. He knew Jesus was a king. Even there on the cross, he was the only one who honored him as a king. Right there. And what did Jesus say to him? I tell you the truth. 
today you will be what? With me in paradise. Truly, my friends, to be with Jesus is paradise, even if it's a cross. That means that heaven goes with us, no matter what circumstances we're in. That means that if you're suffering today, no matter what the outward circumstances, you, if you're with Jesus, you're in paradise already. Or if you're lonely today, if you're with Jesus, you're in paradise. Or if you have a need today, your greatest need is to be with Jesus because being with Jesus is paradise. So pray with confidence. Pray in unity. Pray as brothers and sisters. Pray with your whole heart. Our Father who art in heaven. Many of you may remember one of the most moving stories of the Olympics. I think Pastor John uh, spoke about this a few months ago. I remember it vividly, uh, that story of the Barcelona Olympics of 1992. And it provided one of track and field's most memorable, incredible moments. Remember that? Uh, we, we saw that in church. I remember it vividly. It was beautiful. And uh, looked it up. And so Britain's Derek Redmond had, had dreamed all his life, life of winning, winning the gold, gold medal, medal in the 400-meter race. race. And his dream was in sight as he was leading in this race of his life. And he saw the finish line as he rounded into the back turn and the back stretch. And all of a sudden, he felt pain in the back of his leg and he fell face first on the track and he had a torn uh, right hamstring and so sports illustrated recorded this dramatic event and uh, as the medical assistants were approaching uh, redmond fought to his feet said don't touch me he just said and he said it was like an animal instinct i wanted to finish the race and so he's hobbling down the track he's reaching for the finish line and this large man in a T-shirt came out of the stands, and the security guard tried to stop him. And he said, no, I'm going to him. It was Jim Redmond, Derek's father. And he went to his son. And he said to his son, you don't have to do this. And his son was weeping. And he said, yes, I do. I have to finish the race. I have to finish the race. And so he loved for his son. And so Derek didn't walk away with a uh, gold medal, but he walked away with an incredible memory of a father who, when he saw his son in pain, left his seat in the stands to help him finish the race. My friends, that's what Jesus did for me many years ago. I'm going to finish this race. I'm going to do it my own way. And I fell face first on the track. My heavenly father came to me, put his arm around me. He said, you're going to finish this race together. We're going to finish it together. As we headed to the finish line, I could say to him, my father, our father, who art in heaven, let's finish this race together. Our father, who art in heaven.